Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Behind-the-scenes experience in Washington and around the world. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back, everyone. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Thanks for joining us on the extended version of Inside Sources. We'll be with you all the way until 3 o'clock when we'll pass the baton to Jeff Kaplan, who will get you safely home uh, with everything you need. We uh, started early in the program today talking about just an extraordinary weekend in Detroit, the NAACP National Conference. About 10,000 people will be there. You'll have all the presidential candidates will swing through over the next couple of days. They'll have a little mini debate there uh, in their forum on Wednesday. Then they'll have an actual debate next week there in Detroit. So a lot of good things happening for the, the city of Detroit. But we've been talking about this in the context of the partnership, the unique and really historic partnership with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and the NAACP around the Self-Reliance Program. And uh, Sherry Dew, our Executive Vice President and Chief Content Officer here at DMC, uh, thanks for joining us today. Happy to be here. Uh, as we get started, Sherry, I, I want to share with you a, a clip from uh, the Reverend Amos Brown, uh, who's been such a key player in this whole a combined partnership of teaching and training these classes. And uh, we asked him, he got a chance to report to the NAACP board uh, about the project and what was going on. And so I said, well, what happened? What what did people say? What was the response in the room, in the boardroom? And I want to have you respond to it. Everyone was just ecstatic, exhilarated, and encouraged over the fact that in Chicago, Illinois, and in San Francisco, our pilot programs, Self-Reliance, have gotten off to an excellent start. In San Francisco and at Third Baptist Church alone, we had 92 persons to sign up for this Self-Reliance ministry. And they had similar success in Chicago. And we're going to expand the program to Baltimore, Los Angeles, to New York, where we have branches of our association. All right, so that's the Reverend Amos Brown giving his report that he gave to the board, the excitement, the enthusiasm that was in the room as they reported out these pilot programs in San Francisco and Chicago. Sherry, you had a chance to to be backstage and to chat with a lot of the leaders from the NAACP. Uh, What were they saying to you? As as did you, Boyd, and uh, you were there, in fact, longer than I was, but... 
Let me start by saying that when President Nelson um, and the Reverend Brown, who 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 had met each other uh, when NAACP leadership came here last May, was it right. a year ago, May? And if you saw any of the photographs from that particular press conference that they held together, NAACP leadership and uh, the First Presidency of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, there is an iconic photo of him standing next to an elderly, very distinguished-looking gentleman uh, with his arm through. Uh, Linked. And that, that was Reverend Brown. And when they saw each other for the first time, it's it was very interesting. It's like both of their eyes kind of lit up. Yeah. And they looked at each other and, and immediately both had the the immediate instinct to embrace each other. I think pre- what President Nelson said was, hello, dear friend or old friend, yeah. one of the two. And there was such a warm camaraderie and mutual respect, just this feeling of, oh, this is my brother. And in fact, it was the Reverend Brown who then Provided quite an introduction. I think it's fair to say the president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has never had an introduction quite like the one the Reverend Brown gave him at this convention last night, where he started off in quite uh, um, energetic, that's, that's a soulful, um, completely enthusiastic introduction of President Nelson. But he said, he's my brother from another mother. <laughs> I know that was and, historic. That was that, that was like a first of all firsts. It has to be a first, and and just paid him such a tribute, uh, showing his affection for President Nelson. President Nelson clearly feels the same way in return, and so now to have had uh, this man who has a storied history, yeah, in terms of civil rights leadership. Um, I think he was actually a student of Dr. Martin Luther King, wasn't he? Boyd? One, one of the only students. So at at Moorhead College. Uh, Dr. King started to teach a class, and Amos Brown was, was one of his in students. that class uh, before Martin Luther King was assassinated. Was was in some of the marches with Dr. King, so he's extremely well respected by the membership of the NAACP. So to have him be the one to say, this is my friend, yeah. and you're now going to have the chance of hearing from my friend, and we have this wonderful partnership, and uh, it, it was... It was such a warm expression of brotherhood. Everything that I saw between the two of them, and they spent a lot of time together backstage. Of course, President Nelson greeted many, many leaders from the NAACP who could not have been more welcoming, more gracious, uh, more generous in their expressions. Um, it, it It was actually a beautiful feeling of camaraderie and true fellowship. Yeah, and one of the uh, one of the things that really stood out for me was that this really wasn't one of the um, at the press conference at the beginning. They they talked about the the day the journey begins mm-hmm. is not the day mm-hmm. the journey begins, and this journey didn't begin last night, did it? No, I'm not sure that I know the entire history, but I know that <clears throat> Elder Jeffrey R. Holland was actually in Memphis, I believe, mm-hmm. and was at visited the uh, the site of uh, Medgar Evers' uh, office. And there was something in that interchange that led the church to become involved in helping actually restore that yeah. office to its former condition. And one thing led to another. I think there have been many individuals who've had a, who've had a hand uh, on on the both sides of this coin, but there have been many many interactions over a period of time now trying to build a relationship to say there are enough things that we have in common, enough things we care about jointly, if we team up and bring our respective strengths together. Can we get some things done that yeah. will bless people? Yeah. Um, and if we can, let's do it. Yeah. And I, I feel like what I saw 
this weekend in Detroit was against a backdrop of so much rancor that we hear and see where it feels like so many people are just arguing a point, arguing a position, arguing for a party. Instead, we saw, no, 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 let's put any differences we have aside. Let's focus on the many, many things we see in common and try to do something to benefit lives. Yeah, absolutely. If you're just joining us, we have Sherry Dew, Executive Vice President of uh, Desert Management Corporation, with us today. She was in Detroit for the NAACP meeting over the weekend. Uh, I want to continue this this conversation. There was a, a, an interesting moment uh, as it relates to this uh, self-reliance program. Uh, Leon Russell, the uh, chairman of the NAACP, he made a fascinating statement. He said, Everyone always talks about the fact that uh, rising tide lifts all boats. And then he stopped and he said, but if your boat has a hole in it, (laughs) the rising tide just swamps it. And this idea that we can we can even talk about faith, we can talk about hope, we can talk about coming together as communities. But if we have people whose financial life is is in disarray, whose family's in disarray, who, you know, have personal challenges and problems, those boats are not going to rise regardless of what happens. And it seems to me that that the church, uh, Elder Gerard in particular, has played such an important role in in this effort uh, that they've come together to say, I think we can fix some boats. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we heard from or that I heard, and I'm sure you did too, Boyd, and in fact, you probably heard more than I did. But one of the things I heard from the Reverend Teresa Deer uh, out of Chicago, and that's another site where this was tested, the self-reliance program was tested, um, was this whole uh, notion of how do we help people wherever they are. And one of the things that she said was that she had a very leading, heavy hand working with some of the individuals at the church who developed a self-reliance program and helping make it more culturally suited and more adapted and saying, no, 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 you need to understand. You need to understand where some individuals are and what we need to do to help them patch the boat. Right. Once we patch the boat, she didn't use the words patch the boat, but she was saying that. Let's patch yeah. the boat, and then we're going to get that boat working well. Yeah. So what she said was that everybody she worked with at the church was so receptive so respectful of her point of view and that the materials got modified as she suggested and that's why she feels like they're resonating yeah. and and able to help somebody wherever they are in their financial and their yeah. self-reliance journey a lot of the self-reliance begins with let's just put food on the table yeah that's and right. have a few have a few dollars in the bank. Yeah. And uh, she was very complimentary of everybody she worked with at the church. Fantastic. All right, we're going to lean on uh, Sherry to stay with us for one more segment. It's like the first time I get to do this. I'm so excited. <laughs> so we're going to go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we're going to pick up our conversation here with Sherry Do. We're going to talk about a really interesting tie between the NAACP and Pioneer Day. Don't go anywhere. This is Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. We'll be right back. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Welcome back, everyone. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Thanks for joining us on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. We twisted the arm of the great Sherry Dew to have her stay for an extra segment today. And as we start this second segment, uh, Sherry, we, we've both commented on uh, just this amazing man of uh, Reverend mm-hmm. Amos Brown. And uh, he is just one of the grandest souls I have ever met. I mean, we we spent 
a long time chatting and and him just sharing his wisdom and his insight on a wide range of things, not just interaction uh, with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but on a whole host of things. Mm -hmm. But as we were getting uh, towards the end of our interview, he started talking about uh, what is genuinely known as the the anthem of the NAACP. Mm -hmm. And it was actually a a poem that was written in 1900, uh, originally performed uh, by a 500 choir, children's choir uh, for Abraham Lincoln, the great emancipators, uh, 100th birthday. And uh, he started going through the lyrics to this. And then he started drawing some very interesting similarities to the Latter-day Saints, the pioneers coming across the plains and even called out William Clayton. So I want you to listen to this. It's a couple minutes long, but it's an extraordinary insight. And then I want you to comment on it. Our two national hymns, Lift Every Voice and Sing, and come, come, ye saints, are not about celebrating war, bombs, missiles, and strife on a battlefield. But these two songs are about a people who, in spite of being oppressed for various reasons, excelled, achieved, and remained loyal to this country and loyal to their God. Lift every voice and sing has the line, lift every voice and sing till earth and heaven ring, ring with the harmonies of liberty. But there is that line that also says, stony the road we trod, bitter the chastening rod, felt in the days when hope unborn had died. And I had a wild moment when I reflected on the fact and Mr. Clayton wrote, Come, Come, Ye Saints, which tells the story of the struggles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. When they were persecuted because of their different faith systems. And in that song, they didn't get bitter. They became better. And they endured. And they sang, Come, Come, Ye Saints. No toil or labor, fear. And I love that phrase that says, Great shall be as your day. So gird up your thorns, fresh courage take. Our God will never us forsake. And soon we'll have this tale to tell. All is well, all is well. And I feel that President Nelson and President from our state of Mississippi, Derek Johnson, along with our national chairman, Leon Russell, and yours truly working as chair of the religious division, the religious affairs department of the NACP, will be able to say it can be well in this nation when we lock arms, as I locked arms with President Nelson, not as black and white, not as Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, or Baptists, but as children of God who are about loving everybody and bringing hope, happiness, and good health to all of God's children whom we have the occasion to minister to. All right, so that's uh, Reverend Amos Brown. 
Uh, I don't know that I ever anticipated a Baptist preacher uh, combining Come Come Ye Saints uh, with their national anthem. Sherry, your response to that. I just find that so deeply moving. And you slipped me a copy of the lyric here, Boyd, and I look at this lyric of their anthem. God of our weary years, God of our silent tears, thou who has brought us thus far on the way, thou who has by thy might led us into the, into the light. Then you think about the, um, uh, yeah, the whole lyric of Come Come You Saints and compare the two. The fact that he would compare the two is just so stirring yeah. and so moving. And I, I think, again, a reflection of what I believe we experienced this last day or two of just deep respect, respect for each other's past, respect for each other's beliefs, mm-hmm. uh, respect for the fact nobody's trying to convert each other. Right. But we are trying to share, yeah. share everything that we have for those who are interested and willing to partake. And I, I just find that so moving, especially in a day when we don't see a lot of looking for ways to share rather than looking for ways to condemn because you don't believe exactly like I do. Yeah. What a what a moving example for us from the Reverend Brown. Yeah. And it was uh, it was such a deep connection. Mm-hmm. He, he had that. Committed he had thought to, about that. It was deeply. It was by memory. He had no notes in front of him during this interview. Mm-hmm. And just you know, rattled off those those lyrics, wow. and I I do think that shared experience of of suffering of persecution uh, is, is sort of a combining element uh, as well. And and as you as you perfectly put it, Sherry, uh, it's not about finding the differences and finding reasons to disagree. It's finding what we have in common. Uh, and I think the NAACP has really let out in, a, in a, an extraordinary way, uh, very unique for them mm-hmm. uh, to reach out in this way to uh, a group like the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to say, I think we can do something together. Mm-hmm. Really beautiful. And one of the things that I noticed that, that maybe plays into this, and I don't know, uh, look, this, these are just early observations, but one of the things is this is a, this is a I, I talk to a lot of people. Uh, backstage, and the president met many, many leaders of the NAACP from a number of cities around the country. Uh, and several times he was in a group where he was talking about, talking with them. But they easily shared their faith. In fact, he shared an experience that he had a difficulty getting from someplace that he was on a little bit of a vacation, and some weather was going to prevent him from even making it to Detroit. And had something of a miraculous experience happen, and he openly shared that what he did was pray. Yeah, and there was just a resonance. There was an immediate resonance. There was not. I thought, how many how many groups in the country today can you sit down with and talk openly about prayer and have it respected? Yeah, but but these are believers. Yeah, and I think that that belief is is that spark that really pulls them all together. All right, Sherry, we're going to continue this conversation. Uh, we're going to continue to unpack all of the things that took Wonderful. place uh, in Detroit over the weekend. Thanks so much for joining us. This My is pleasure. Boyd Matheson. You're listening to KSL News Radio. I am the opinion editor at the Deseret News. We will be back when we come back. We'll be joined by former South Carolina Governor Mark Sanford, who's thinking about taking on President Trump in a run for the White House. Stay with us.